Hello, everybody. <laughs> and oh, so this is exciting because this is the first time that we have recorded over Zoom. So as you can see, my name is Renee. Here. <laughs> Esquire, but they can also say, I think they can see it. Um, and what is your name? Nicole Cottrell is my name. Oh, there you go. Nicole Cottrell. Yes. And I'm here on zoom with you, but people will be listening to this too, but it feels very exciting for us because even through all of COVID, we never recorded via mm-hmm. zoom. No, we still managed to see each other and yes. transmit diseases to one another in person. It's true. And we did not want to transmit disease this week. So we're, we're on zoom, but that's not the case. Also, we also have uh, husbands who are together uh, out of town and we live about 30 miles apart, a lot of miles apart. So we figured let's just do this over zoom. And Evan is here. Evan, come on. You have to just show yourself at least once. So everybody, for those people who will watch the video, just like pop on like real fast and then pop off. There he is. is The one and only Evan. Our super fancy producer and sound engineer extraordinaire. Yes. Hello. (laughs) He's like, peace out. I'm out. Goodbye. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) don't don't make things fall, Renee. I know. It's because I'm too movie. So I move around too much um, because I like to move it, move it. All right. So today we have not prepared in this slide. No, but this is perfect. This is when we are in our prime. It's true. We were meant to be. And I have not been paid for this advertisement, but I have LaCroix in here, uh, Limoncello. And I will want, I do want to say our last episode that we recorded was the one on body image. And I want to say that there were several of you who reached out and to me, because I kind of shared a lot of really vulnerable things. You reached out to both of us. I want to say that, but some of you reached out and like expressed thanks and like solidarity. And I want to say thank you because I appreciate that so much. Um, So the reason I mentioned the LaCroix is this is, LaCroix and not wine um, because I did go on that trip and it was as nightmarish as I thought it was going to be with the person who I was afraid it was going to be doing all of the things that I thought he would do, including comment on my body and my weight and my eating. And I will say that I was not able to stick up for myself. I totally silenced, but when he picked on somebody else, I yelled at him. So um, so I'm working on standing up for myself in those situations in which I feel uh, attacked. And, you know, so I kept drinking and eating and now I'm backing yeah. up on that. You know, it's all right. It's all right. I'm proud of you. Yes, well, I know. Anyway, I wanted to say thank you to that. And I wanted to mention this and uh, I just can't help myself from over vulnerability. I don't think I over vulnerable. I think I just. Also, it's a, the thing I used to think about vulnerability was that it meant that you had to just vomit out all of these emotions in this very uncomfortable way. And then I started reading Brene Brown and she was like, well, that's not vulnerability at all. In fact, when people do that, that's actually sort of abusive or can border on that to other people. You, can. you do not do that. And you shared your vulnerability beautifully. And it was, I think, really healing for a lot of people. So yes. Well, thank you. And I appreciate what you shared and Today, we wanted to make it a little bit lighter, although y'all don't know how to really make it light for us. No joke with you guys. Yeah. And we have a lot of, uh, we asked you to ask us questions. And so you have, and they span the gamut of church and parenting and the Enneagram. 
And somebody uh, wrote us a lot about justice. And I will say this, we will get to that one, but it was such uh, a well thought out uh, series of questions that I think it would merit an actual episode, not that mm-hmm. singular, uh, but you know, I think we can talk around about that idea. around yeah. that idea. And then a lot of you wrote some questions and I'm like, I don't know, if I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure if we're going to answer them. <laughs> um, okay. So we're just going to get right to it. Yeah. So Renee's going to do questions and we're going to answer them and we're just going to see where it takes us. And Again, these are questions that you all asked and we have not prepared answers so much as we we've looked over these things and we've discussed some, but we're just going to go at it. And my ability to remember something that I've read it over 24 hours ago. is <laughs> <laughs> So it's been a while. All right. So we're going to start with church because that's what my list has. All yeah. right. So here's the first question. Wait, before you do that, yes. Should we do like a church and then some, and then another topic. I would like to let's volleyball. Oh, let's, okay. That's perfect. That's perfect. Let's not just do, you know what I'm saying? Let's mix them in. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. So this doesn't fit in the box with so many, I don't even remember this question coming up with so <laughs> many. So I don't actually know what's going to be asked here with so many sympathizers toward the LGBTQ lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer community and people leaving the church because of its inability or unwillingness to address its brokenness around racism. Ooh, this is a double-barreled question. Why do you think churches that do affirm and are doing the work are struggling to survive? So when you say a church that's affirming, that means people who are accepting of the LGBTQ community and oftentimes people who are part of the LGBT churches who do accept the LGBTQ community are also uh, interested in forwarding the work of racial justice and social justice. So that's just to give some context around this question. If they're like people, Mm -hmm. what does that question even mean? All right, Nicole. So what do you say? What do you say? say? (laughs) I mean, this is a big topic, um, just this question alone. And I, I'm by no means an expert on this issue in particular, in terms of why people are leaving the church, I've read lots of stuff over the years and what it is that are moving people out of the church. Why are millennials leaving all of this? There's lots of varying factors. The thing that kind of just instinctively comes to my mind when I read that question was, well, then there must be other reasons that people are leaving. Mm, Yeah. Because just being justice minded, I think is one huge piece. And it's one huge piece for a specific generation more so than other generations, Mm. but generations of people, but there must be other reasons. There must be other things and, and factors that are contributing to people not wanting to be in mainstream church. If it, if, if those boxes are checked, if it's an affirming church and it's, and they're racially or racially justice minded, and those things are important, then why are people not staying? Well, then there must be other things that are also important that Mm -hmm. aren't happening. And, um, I think it's a little, maybe sounds trite or it's cliched, but I think it's true. A lot of people are just really tired of the church, not the church in America, not modeling the biblical church as a whole the scriptural church that we see, it just looks very, very different. And those are two places where it looks distinctly different, but there are lots of areas where the church doesn't look to me, at least like the model that I see in scripture. 
where the individual Christian doesn't very often look like Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it's very unattractive to people. Yeah. I would tend to agree. You say that there are a lot of different reasons. I think there are, and there's a great resource called the Barna Group, B-A-R-N-A. And they do a lot of research and kind of, it's more quantitative where they really take a look at culturally. And I believe it's situated just in the U.S., but it could be North American. You know, I don't actually remember, but they have a lot of those statistics on on the, on the whys behind different uh, patterns within the church. But to add to what you're saying, Nicole, um, I think that there's also the the tertiary issue of COVID-19, like so Mm -hmm. most churches, well, most churches went online and a lot of people didn't know how to vibe with that. Or um, I think that there's even another layer here with a lot of churches maybe not deciding to go online. And sometimes, but not always, those churches being the ones that were also not affirming. Right. Yeah. Meaning that sometimes in the ideological patterning that this country, United States, happens to do, there tends to be, if you believe in mask wearing and if you believe the science behind COVID-19, then you tend to also affirm LGBTQIA plus and racial justice. And if you don't, you tend to be on the other side. And the other side tended not to necessarily want to go online unless they were forced to. Right. Yep. So now we have like these two polar opposite camps. And I would argue, again, I'm not an expert in this either, that this camp that tends to maybe be perhaps evangelical um, has many more church buildings and Mm -hmm. and a a bigger presence. Um, But, and this one, maybe they're they're popping up then and then uh, here and there. Mm -hmm. And in 2020, it was a great reckoning for a lot of people. And maybe the, the, the patterns that we saw of people leaving happened to be people leaving this camp over here. And you know what? I can see myself and it's totally so, but those of you who cannot see me, uh, the, I'll just say the conservative and the liberal. I'm going to say that I'm going to make it super binary for the sake of your being able to just understand yeah. what I'm talking about. All right. So there were a lot of people who felt like they needed to leave the perceived conservative camp because they weren't being affirming, particularly of racial justice or honoring COVID-19 mandates. And then they didn't know where to go from there. And mm-hmm. so then maybe the people who are in the more liberal or the socially conscious, I think I like that much better socially conscious um they were like they were struggling to survive a because of covid b because they're smaller and maybe they don't have the capital that more mainline denominations might anyway i don't know i think that's that's all what's happening here there was so much to reckon with in 2020 and 21 specifically that when we talk about churches struggling to survive I don't know that we can just say that it's because of their, of those two ideologies. I don't know, Nicole, what do you think? I don't know if I made any no, sense I think, whatsoever. No, I think that was really brilliant and wise and true <laughs> and true to, and I'm not being, I'm not even being tongue in cheek. I'm being serious. Um, true to what we just experienced in 2020. I do think that the, I think that churches struggling. And I don't even really like saying that because I don't actually, that's a whole nother theological conversation. Like 
I don't think the church is struggling personally. <laughs> There's a difference between churches struggling to keep people in their doors yeah. Yeah. and in their seats versus God's kingdom. Like God's kingdom is not struggling. So that's a different conversation. That's a theological conversation, but um, I agree with what you're saying. And I think that these things were already in full swing and momentum. And yeah. this was already happening as we know. And then 2020, again, like you said, was the catalyst that kind of broke this all open. People were already leaving the church. People have already been leaving. The numbers have already been saying that, but then it was forcing people, the issues that came to the surface in 2020 forced people's back to the wall to, for a lot of people to have to make a decision yeah. one way or the other, where they're going to go and what they're going to do. Yeah. And so we're seeing that still in flux. I actually, I'm actually excited about it because I believe that God is using all of it. I feel like he's used the trauma of 2020. And I believe that it's actually calling out people to question their faith in new ways. And I believe it's calling some people forward in faith and some people are walking away and that's okay too, but it's not okay. But you know what I'm saying? Other people are rising up because of it. And I think the church, because the church isn't a building, it's a body, it's a people has the opportunity to respond. Yeah. This is, we have an opportunity to respond in a new way. And maybe that's not in the old systems of just only thinking of a Sunday morning service. Like there are so many other ways to be the church. Yeah. So I'm actually excited about what I see happening. Like I'm, I'm like, get at it. Like let's, yep. let's go. And yeah. So I, I know we said we were going to go back and forth, but I do feel like I want to tuck this question in yeah, with church now, because I think it just makes sense with flow because mm-hmm. you made a really good distinction between kingdom mm-hmm. and the church. And mm-hmm. even though biblically, I don't think a lot of people understand what that means because we're, we're supposed to be the church. Mm-hmm. So before I ask that question, I'm going to tuck in my own question and right. say, can, and I know that we've done this. I know that we have this in some episode, but let's reiterate what yeah. is the difference between the church and the kingdom? Oh, I don't know if I could answer that. Well, um, I feel like I would need to read something for everyone from a book. Um, the kingdom is God's the representation of God's kingdom as it is in heaven on earth. Like when Jesus in scripture say things like the kingdom is at hand or the kingdom has come close to you today. Mm. Um, that is the kingdom of God doing his work on earth. When we pray the Lord's prayer, Lord, you know, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's actually inviting and asking the kingdom to be here. And Mm. the church is the, um, vehicle for Mm -hmm. the movement of God's kingdom. Yeah. And I would like to add to that, that I absolutely agree with what Nicole is saying. And I would add that not everybody who claims to be Christian is a member of the church Mm -hmm. because I think the church are people who are actually doing the work of the spirit, which is Mm -hmm, thus mm -hmm. reflective of the spirit or excuse me, the kingdom. And why I think that's important also, I think answers that first question. Why are people leaving is because people can smell a rat. Yeah. And when there are people who, because I actually believe in a holy God, I believe that God is God. And I Mm -hmm. believe that there, there can be people who can access him in many, many different ways that there's not just this very tight 
uh, prescription, or I, that's a mixed metaphor, but I, I, I believe this with all of my heart. And, um, and there are some people who want to conflate the church with politics or mm-hmm. country or behavior or marital status or whatever, mm-hmm. and all sorts of stuff that actually has nothing really to do with the kingdom. Um, right. It's more, you know, how we go about expressing Man, it's man-made. Um, yeah. It's yeah. actually, it's religion. It's is total religion. religion. And so I think right now what the line in the sand is, is between mm-hmm. um, religion and faith. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I do believe we are entering into an era, if you will. Yeah. And we've been entering into it for forever, but now yeah. it's really coming to the forefront of our consciousness of social media of everything it is exciting where now it's like all right am i actually going to be part of the religious elite or am mm-hmm. i going to be a ragtag faith follower right. a, a ragamuffin, a ragamuffin. yeah yeah um, it reminds me of that verse um i'm so bad at knowing where scriptures are but um like true worshiper, true believers will worship mm-hmm. in spirit and truth what's that verse true well it, you was, know what I'm it was to the woman at the well so yeah, well, we're I know that. And I think that we have a lot of people that have historically been worshiping under what they believe is truth. And then some people worshiping under what I would think is actually biblical truth. But very rarely do we have the merging of worshiping in spirit, being spirit led, kingdom minded people and truth led people, mm-hmm. those things going hand in hand. I feel like there's more of that happening. And that is what I'm excited about. I just, I'm really hopeful actually. And I do want to make one more distinction before I I ask this question. And that is this, that you can be part of the conservative, whatever camp and still be kingdom minded. And you can be part of the socially conscious and not be kingdom minded. hundred percent. Oh, I'm not. Yeah. I don't want to set this like us versus them kind of thing, even though that there's kind of been this thing created. I think that people who are true followers of Christ can be in both camps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or. I would say we can be our own camp because we are sure, supposed sure. to be a third way or mm-hmm. another way. Yeah. Jesus is the, a different way. And yeah. so I think you can have even a blending or a, I don't know. That's another conversation we should it have. Time, but um, <laughs> it is. But yes to that. I agree with but you. I think that sometimes people get confused. Yeah. Yeah. Whether And so just no, recognize that you don't have to be here or there in order to eventually be in the air. <laughs> 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 That's an old evangelical joke You're right, man. Uh, about the rapture, which uh, we really <laughs> so how's my, yeah, that's good. How's my hair doing? It's good. All right. I have not washed it and I don't know how long. So we're just, I got my hair done today. Oh, it looks cute. Oh, I like it. Yeah, it's good. That light on in there. I like if you it. You all want to see, and you have to watch the video to see our curls. Okay. Oh yeah, that's true. You can look at our curls, and I've been grays tucked up under there. Those are my badge of honor. They're my badges of honor. <laughs> yeah. All right. How? Here's a question that came in. Um, how do you, each of us, maintain closeness with Jesus? Because this person said that we make it seem so easy, and I didn't feel it, like, and it wasn't a slight at all. I think it was a real cry. And I, I feel like this is a good segue into that. And (laughs) 
I don't, I, when this question came in, I kind of like gasped and I was like, but she doesn't even know. Like we don't know what's going on in our heads. I mean, we do have several episodes, I think where we talk about our, but you know, even I will say this, uh, I have had a lot of trauma in my life, but the one thing that has not been traumatic is, uh, God's, um, unfair, the unfair advantage I've had mm-hmm. in accessing Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's something that I've had since the start mm-hmm. and yeah. I can't explain it. It has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's, it's something that I've always been able to just tap into. If you have this fourth wall, yeah. which is leading to the other side, I've always just been able to say, just to push it and it goes down. Yeah. It's a privilege that I have and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to apologize for it, but I'm also going to acknowledge that. Absolutely. And I know that that, that has helped tremendously. Mm -hmm. Now I will say this, um, when I was on vacation, vacation, and I was attacked for something else by this person. This person doesn't really approve of what I do for a living. Um, and, uh, which is a diversity equity inclusion trainer. And I, after we got into it and this person personally attacked me, Mm -hmm. I was like, I just, I started spinning and it's been a long time since I spun like that. Yeah. And my instinctual reaction was to go upstairs and to read scripture and to go, okay, Lord, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? And I went upstairs and I opened up my Bible and I'm like, I am not going to open up scripture to Mm -hmm. find a proof of God's love for me and some sort of validation that Mm -hmm. I was just wronged when I know for a fact that the person who maligned me was being abusive. And I don't need scripture right. to help me point that out. And I also don't need to prove to God that I'm still right with him, even though this person told me that I was deceived, that I was uh, adjoining with Satan on a couple of other things that were all batshit. And oh, listen, listen. But I, I realized this. Look, this was a week ago. I'm going to be 44 in a month. I, and I became a Christian at 18. I, um, I realized as much as I want to read the scriptures, they're not my proof. They're Mm -hmm. not my proof. And my going to them doesn't prove to God or myself or anybody, not even Satan, anything. Mm -hmm. And so I closed the scriptures and I just sat with the Lord and I was like, you know what? I can't do anything about this situation and it sucks and I'm yeah. hurt and I, and I'm going to have a really, really good vacation. Yeah. And I did, I did. And three, uh, the day after I got back, it all kind of hit. Yeah. And then uh, the next day after we, or two days after we got back, I woke up with this feeling of just anger, just, mm-hmm. and it was God's anger. Yeah. And it was you will not tolerate that abuse. I God, will not tolerate that abuse. Exactly and I was like, hell yeah. yeah. And look, it took me about a week to get up and at it. And just to really like, it, I even texted Nicole, like, I can't 
shake myself out of this. Yeah. But the thing that helped was just this knowledge that no man can tell me who I am and no man can tell me what my God thinks of me. That's right. And no amount of work on my end is going to justify my faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I am who the Lord says I am and I'm his. And at any time that I want to access him, I can, no matter how dirty I am. Also, that is the gospel. Just, I'm just saying, I mean, that's the gospel. That is, we have nothing to prove. It's already been done. Our worth is paid for. It's the gospel. Our worth is paid for. Jesus said so. He said we were totally worth it. He said, Renee, you are worth me going to the cross for. Done. No question. No looking back. It's done. I mean, that's the gospel. It's beautiful. So Nicole, how do you maintain your closeness with Jesus? Well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. And I realize that you are tearing up and I don't want to, I don't want to throw your vulnerability under the, or or Um, not throw it, but uh, sweep it under the rug. I, um, when that question, when I saw that question, I actually got, I was a little taken aback by it too. And I actually got a little sad because I thought, oh no, are Renee and I communicating that it's like, yes, it's easy for us to just be close with Jesus. And I don't ever want to communicate that like, oh, we just have this like easy faith and it's just always good. And, you know, so I under, I think I understand the spirit of how the question was asked though. And I was looking over that question. That was the one that I actually spent the most time thinking about before we recorded. And I thought this is what came to my mind was, I think that when someone is commenting and saying something like, oh, you make it look easy. You make this faith you know, or relationship with Jesus look easy, that that's what someone's actually cluing into or feeling is an authentic relationship. I think that you and I both have a very authentic and real relationship with Jesus. And that doesn't mean it's easy, at least for me, but it does mean that it's real. And the other phrase that came to my mind was it's been hard fought. Like I have an authentic relationship with Christ because I've been to the depths with him of like despair and said, I basically almost don't believe in you anymore. Listen to our doubting, believing episode. Yeah. I've been to like the highest heights with him to the glory mountaintops. And then I've been everywhere in between. And I think that that's, what's like, that's a real relationship. Like in that way, he's as real to me as any one of my friends that's mm. sitting in front of me because a real relationship is um, seasonal and it shifts and it grows and it expands. And there are times when you feel really close to someone and times when you feel less close to someone. Um, but the relationship part doesn't change the, the engagement of maybe fellowship might change or the, the feelings might mm. shift, but the actual core relationship is always the same. I'm always Nicole. Jesus is always Jesus. He always loves me. And I always love him, whether that looks easy from day to day or not. And so I think it's one thing we just don't really hear talked a lot about in Christianity is it's totally okay and normal for your relationship with Jesus to be 
up and down sometimes. I mean, that's not everyone's experience, Yeah, but it's okay if that is your experience and it's okay if you've fought for your relationship with the Lord and it's okay if you've, you know, questioned all the things. And if you're still questioning the things, I still have so many questions. Like all of that is totally okay because that means it's an authentic relationship. And when you see it looking easy, what you're actually witnessing is genuine. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I appreciate that. I've watched, you know, we've been friends for almost a decade now, but Mm -hmm. the other thing that I think is Nicole and I's, uh, Nicole and my, Nicole's and my relationship with the Lord isn't always happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's totally true. That we have, we feel that we have permission to Mm -hmm. yell, to argue, to vent, to, to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that there are times where I'm like, uh, no, thanks. Like, yeah, we gotta just, you can, I need to go sit over here Yeah, and I know you're there and I like you and you're great, but I need to just, I need to go have a latte before we can Uh communicate. That's okay. Like it doesn't have to look like a certain thing. And even, you know, there has been something that I've really been wrestling with lately. And it like came, I think, especially after this thing, on vacation happened. And then I, you know, on, on my own parents, I love my parents, but there's also this kind of, there's a ideological. Yeah. Divide, uh, uh, divide, a huge divide, like a, like a, you know, remember in um, the never ending story when the nothingness started to happen. Never ending story. Yeah, that's what it feels like. And I, I was in, I was just felt enraged because Nicole and I are going to do an episode on this, but it's too hard. And it's about like, she and I have never been mentored by anybody. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt like, how dare you God? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. how dare you be so near mm-hmm. and yet withhold this thing that yeah. I've wanted so long. And then I'm like, all right, fine. Your maker is your husband. And yeah, he's your counselor. (laughs) Fine. And I'm like, but still, it would be really nice to like, just have somebody like cheer me on at at work or at any of my jobs or at any of the things at any of the churches and just say, Hey, you, yeah, I'd love to come alongside you. I would have loved for one person to have done that. Just one. I would have loved it. And I'm pissed about it. I'm pissed about it. And, um, so anyway, God knows, and he hasn't answered it, but whatever, whatever. But God can also handle it and he can take it and he's not surprised by it. And that is part of letting us have closeness with him because we don't have to pretend to be anything that we're not. It's true. And that's the end of our mentoring episode. Yeah, so. we did that episode. <laughs> well done. All right, let's go to parenting. This is an parenting. easy question. Okay. Uh, this is an easy question for me to we answer. We don't talk about parenting that much. So I was, I thought there was like a parent <laughs> question in there. I mean, we do, we dabble, but it's not something we really get to a lot. I feel like all of my answers to parenting questions is the same. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is my one size fits all answer. All right. How did you each decide how to school your kids, public versus homeschool? Yeah. Okay. Am I starting on this one? Sure. Um, I chose, I decided to homeschool my children because I am a lazy, lazy person. And I know people laugh when I say that, but I, Renee's laughing, but I'm being completely 
honest and serious. This is actually what happened. I had no intention of homeschooling. I wanted to work. I didn't even want to be a stay home mom. I wanted to keep my job. I liked my job. When I got pregnant with my first child, I didn't want to stay home. Jonathan can tell the whole story and things changed. And I started to make shifts, not because anybody told me to, I just started to feel that I wanted to make some different choices for myself. Jonathan never pressured me, but when I had a kindergartner going to be a kindergartner and I had a three-year-old and I had a newborn baby, I was so tired. And I was like, I don't want to get all three little people dressed, fed and out the door to take the five-year-old to kindergarten for the day and then go back in a few hours. Cause I only wanted to do half day and pick her up with the toddler and the baby in tow. I thought that just sounds terrible. I'm just going to keep her home for kindergarten and she can play with the three-year-old and she can help me with the baby. It was purely to, for my sanity and to just make my life easier. And I was like, who cares about kindergarten? It's kindergarten. And then the next year rolled around and I was like, oh, we're already doing this. We'll just do it for one more year for first grade, big deal. And then we just didn't stop. Now that's all actually true, but I do, I did ultimately have to make the decision to homeschool at a certain point. And I think for me, my biggest motivator was I wanted for my kids to have the chance to be kids for as long as they could. And I actually think I've never thought this before until right now, we have an Enneagram question in there coming up as an Enneagram eight, Enneagram eights were not like they weren't allowed to be children when they were children. I was not allowed to be a kid. I had like the weight of the world on my shoulders and responsibility. And I didn't really get to be a kid in a lot of ways. And I wanted my kids to be kids so badly. I just wanted that like safe time for them. Mm-hmm. And so that was like actually my main motivation. Yeah. yeah. That's a, it's really good. I mean, it's hilarious and it's also poignant. And I think that it's a, it's also really practical because sometimes you just yeah. got to do what you got to do. And right. that's what we did. I had to, I, I had to, um, yeah. I had to work and, and my husband had to work. That was where we're teachers and you got to yeah. have two teachers both working. It's yeah. just kind of the way it goes in the United States and, and in other countries as well. Yeah. And the, the one deliberation that we did make though, is my kids do go to charter school. Mm-hmm. And the reason we did that was because the public school near us didn't, it seemed more of a teach to the test kind of model. And as educators, my husband and I are very wow. much, um, advocates of critical thinking and of really kind of, you know, getting into the, the yeah. academics of, yeah. of school. So we found a really good charter school and listen, we got a freaking this year. I have a seventh grader, a fifth grader and a first grader. Here's the pickup or the drop-off and pickup schedule. <laughs> 745, eight o'clock, 815. What? Oh. What? And then <laughs> 245, three o'clock and 315. And I'm like, what kind of nonsense is this? <laughs> so you all believe, I told my kids today, y'all need to figure out what to do, bring stuff to for your homework. Right. Mama is going to be rolling on up there at 320. And That's y'all right. <laughs> shop. We are not making multiple stops. Yeah. One time, one time only. And they're going to yell at me. The school's going to yell at me and my kids will yell at me as well. And the school's going to send me nasty emails in the morning. You're not supposed to drop all three kids off. And I'm going to write them back and say, I'm not going to write them back. (laughs) 
I'm going to say, I'm not going to write them back. <gasps> they can keep sending that me answer. That. That's, that's, that's what right. I did last year. I didn't write them back last year. Well, I only wrote them back once last year. And it was, <laughs> it was such a threatening, it was a call that uh, they never called yeah. me about that issue ever again. <laughs> there you go. I think I <laughs> what? I think I remember it. I remember that vaguely. You talking? They wanted, our, our kids were missing a lot of school because of COVID exposure. And we actually had COVID. And the freaking school sent us a, like a 75 page letter saying that they were going <laughs> to kick my kids out of school if we didn't come back. So you better yeah. believe yeah. active COVID called Wait. the school up. And I was like, if I send my children back, would you like me to send my children back with active Wait. COVID? Yeah. If so, then thank you for your letter. And if not, then you need to tell your system and whatever administrator is allowing those letters to go out when families are in the midst of deep trauma, not to send those letters out. And if you need help with this, and then I gave him an email address. I remember. I totally remember this call and you talked to me about it. And I was like, yeah, look, no, I'm sorry. School in 2020 was about making things lighter, not heavier. You're going to hear some clicking. It's my mouth. Sorry, Evan. All right. Then we'll go to the Enneagram. Okay. Enneagram. Oh, so this question was posed specifically for an A, but I think we should answer it for both of us. Best and hardest and best thing about our Enneagram. Oh, okay. So I don't need to go into the whole story. Yeah. Don't do the story because we already talked about that person. Okay. The hardest thing about being an eight, the hardest and the best thing about being an eight and then you're going to answer in a hardest thing about being a four and best thing about being a four. Well, I don't even believe make that. Me. I don't even want to be a four. Also, nobody wants to be their number except for sevens. Also, if less you, if you don't know that Enneagram much or ish, then do listen to our Enneagram episode. It's a really fun one. And that's also, if you want to get to know me and Renee more, <laughs> that's also a fun one to listen to because we share about our own Enneagram numbers and it's a very good, like, you know, introduction to our sparkling personalities. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to be an Enneagram four. Okay. Be a four. What do you, yeah, that's not a four. No, fours don't do that. What the hell um, do fours do? I don't know what fours do. People are, people are listening. Renee's making these like dour faces. <laughs> fours don't look like that ever. All right. Um, no. Okay. So what's the best thing about being a four? Oh, I'm going to start. Yeah. The best thing about being a four is I can feel it all mm-hmm. and yeah. I can feel it all in myself and I can feel a lot of it in others. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, part of being a four is what helps me tap into spirit stuff too. It's yeah, just, yeah, it's, easy. it's easy to, it, for me, I should say it's easy. I don't know if all fours have this amazing yeah. ability yeah. to knock down the fourth wall. Oh, that's why it's called <laughs> the fourth wall. Um, so that's the best part about being a four. And the worst part about being a four is feeling it all and feeling yeah. everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Because if you don't have the tools to know how to discern all of those feelings and what to yeah. do, because there are times where you are angry and it is not healthy to express that anger or the right. sadness or the this or the rejection. Um, and, and you can make up stories in your head that mm-hmm. are not true based on your emotions. Exactly. So I, th- I think it's the flip of the four, a healthy four and a four who is able to manage emotions yeah. back on up. It's, yeah. it's a train 
coming into the glory land. <laughs> that sounds like a euphemism for something else, but I like it. Oh, you want to uh, hear a euphemism? Coming into the glory land. Oh, <laughs> don't don't stroke it too much because feedback. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Sorry. So I have a Yeti microphone. It's my daughter's. Um, also, and Google on a like Yeti it. microphone to see why I was very public indeed. <laughs> um. Okay. Best or wait? Am I saying best part first or worst? Worst part about being an eight? I think because I'm a woman. I think it's because I'm a female eight. If I were a man, I mean, I'd be like taking the world by the cojones. But as a woman, it's harder. I think that being an assertive person in a woman's body is the hardest thing about being an eight. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we talked about this, but it's the labels of like, you're a bitch or you are the words, you know, the things that people always say about me, you're intimidating. um, You're standoffish. You, you know, I hurt people's feelings when I, it's my tone. My tone gets me in trouble all the time. Um, I've gotten better because I think I've just gotten healthier in that area. But I've, I think I've gone from being more aggressive to being more assertive. Hopefully Mm, that's good. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. Yeah. I think I was more of a, like an attack dog about certain things, um, that I care about. So but that's just always going to be hard. Like men don't like an assertive women and women don't like an assertive woman. So some women, I love assertive women. Some women do. Yes. I shouldn't make a blanket statement like that. I'm saying in my experience, I've had women not like my assertiveness and I've had men not like my assertiveness. So it is just tricky sometimes navigating that. And, um, I don't want to be fake either. I don't want to like not be who I am. So that's, that's that. The best part about being an eight, I think is sort of like, the secret superpower of eights is that eights are much more sensitive than people think that they are, mm-hmm. but it's that sensitivity is, is masked with, you know, assertiveness and wanting to not be controlled and all of that. But my sensitivity is actually kind of like we've talked about fours and eights are the inside outs of each other. I feel a lot for other people. And so it's really easy for me to like want to take up the cause for people and like fight for things that I care about mm-hmm. um, because I'm sensitive to it because I actually feel it really deeply. And that's why I can care so much about the things that I care about. I don't care about everything. Um, there's a lot of stuff I just don't care about, but the things I do, and you know, Renee knows like, yeah. I'm not like, I can just blow some stuff off. I just don't care. But the things that I really care about, I really, I will die for yeah, you'll and go all in and I'll it's really away. beautiful to watch. It's like the generosity of eights when they are on a mission, it's, it's, it's profound. It's intense. It's inspiring. It's all of those things. It's like, Whoa, this eight is on a mission and she is nothing is going to, I love it. And I love having, I love surrounding myself with eights because they're such champions yeah. and there's the safety that I feel safe with eights because I'm like, you know, cause I do tend to be a freezer and mm-hmm. I know that an eight is going to just jump in and be yeah. like, they will. And I, lo- I do not mind when people box on my, behalf. Yeah. <laughs> I do <laughs> not mind. I welcome it because sometimes I'm just sitting there and later I'm like, dang, I'll go box now. I'll box now. I just need a time <laughs> to process. And, uh, but yeah, I appreciate that about eights. 
Yeah. I think too, like we've talked about this, that you're feeling all the feelings. It's for me, like an osmosis process. Like I get to just be around a person who's feeling all the feelings. And then it kind of gives me permission to feel stuff that I feel, but it gives me permission to feel it more and to be more open about it and to be more vulnerable and your vulnerability spurs on other vulnerability for people. And it's beautiful too. So I love it. There was a a tucked in question that this person did ask about her. So she's an eight and her husband's a four Mm -hmm. and it's okay. So the question was this, this four wants to always try new things Mm -hmm. and okay, let's try a new recipe. Let's try to clean the floor a different way. And she's like, is that fair? Well, first of all, I'm the opposite. I have a lot of oneness to me because I, in order to keep my life <laughs> organized, I, I have yeah. to move to, to one when fours um, are integrating into their best selves, they move to one. Um, so I, I'm not like that, but here's yeah. what I think about with this four. Fours have this like inherent need to be different or do differently because mm-hmm. we get bored. Otherwise we're very seven ish in that it's, yeah. it's a different kind of way, but I'm like, if, if like, if I go to a restaurant, sometimes it, um, I have to feel the thing that I'm ordering because I don't, if I take a bite out of it and it's a disappointing bite game over, I am upset about right. the money that I'm going <laughs> to this. Yeah. So sometimes the newness takes us out of the boredom, um, gives us this feeling of just the the thing is now special instead of mopping the floors and making a new recipe. Yeah. If you can make it new somehow, then it like, it revitalizes the idea of what would normally just be monotonous or special, right? If you can make it special. Yeah. And I can, about the emotion thing, when I walk into a room, so, but when I was younger, when I walked into a room, immediately I knew what everybody was feeling. And I was like, oh gosh. And sometimes I would take on the worst of it. And then I would feel, I would like hunker down into a corner and I wouldn't know how to deal with it because I would, um, I would self-project. What's that called? Introject. I would introject. I would put it on myself. Yeah. Now, when I walk into a room, I self-protect and I have to, no matter if it's a house, if it's a restaurant, wherever, a bus, I have to find the most beautiful or comfortable spot. Any place I walk into, I run reconnaissance and I look around and I'm like, where is the spot that is the most beautiful? And because I know that it's going to help alleviate my feelings. So I'll be able to better manage all of the rest of them that are coming at me. Wow. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. They say that eights wa- walk into a room and can instantly tell who is in, con- who has the most power. power. Yeah. And when I read that, I was like, oh, that's totally true. I do that. I've I never, see you do it. I I've never knew that I did it, but I, I just instinctively do that. And it's not because I, um, I want to be in power. It's because I don't want to be power overpowered. Mm-hmm. So I want to know who to avoid. And it's the same thing. It's actually for safety. It's actually because I don't want to be controlled. So it's who do I want to stay away from who might try to be manipulative or pushy or, you know, just that kind of thing. It's, it's still out of protect, a protective 
state. It's very interesting. But anyway, I love that. I love it. I do love it. I think we can go on and on. We should do Enneagram episode. All right. We we have to have our husbands on at some point for, I was thinking for Enneagram and then we should mother stuff. Yeah. Greg has to get on board with the Enneagram. He's not. (laughs) So here's what we would love for you to do. Rate, review, subscribe. And tell us how much you love us because we are just so lovable. <laughs> so lovable. But it actually does make a difference and it does help people find this podcast. If you like this podcast and you care about not only but also, you know, if you drop a little line there on Apple Podcasts and give us a little review, it actually means something. It does. And on Facebook, on Instagram, on any of these kinds of things. Listen, if we in any way have helped you see the both and better, let other people know so they too can see more clearly. We are Noba Podcast everywhere. Thank you.